feeling frequencies are open. Welcome, welcome to the Infinite Potato Alliance. Welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. Are you out of your mind? Watch and learn. This is going to be awesome. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. You are stopping to the core. I can smell it on you. Join us as we dive into the newest content coming available, as well as retrospectives of the past series and films. Do we need a mutiny today to prove who we are? Now, on with the show. We've only just begun. Greetings and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast. We have returned with a new season of Star Trek hitting our screens, and we have a new season of this podcast hitting your ears. I am joined on this episode by my standard compliment of steadfast crew starting with rick how are you tonight oopsie just as i'd hoped um <laughs> joining us as well we have my brother tom how are things shaka when the walls fell i pay attention <laughs> <laughs> and rounding out the crew we have neek how's everything how would you like it if i decapitated a human <laughs> <laughs> what what was that that was not a quote from a Lower Decks episode. You're very correct, people. Because before we jump into our discussion of both Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2 of Lower Decks that we were treated to this week, we are going to have a quick discussion regarding Star Trek Very Short Treks, which uh, I think, I don't know how many they are planning to, uh, to release here in the near future, but uh, we got one. We got one to start with, uh, and that premiered uh, on Friday the 8th of September. Star Trek Very Short Trek's Skin a Cat was the title of this teeny tiny three-minute episode, uh, wherein the original Enterprise, in the style of the animated series, uh, is under attack by Klingons, and the captain just can't seem to figure out what to do, because every time he uses a figure of speech, someone on the bridge is offended because the ship is full of snowflakes. I guess. Maybe <laughs> that's what they're trying to say. Um, for, we'll, we'll go around real quick. What did everyone think of this uh, very short trek Skinny Cat? Uh, we're going to start with uh, Neek. What do you think? Um, it was funny. What else do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's about it. And with with something that's that's this brief, it's it really comes down to was was it funny and entertaining or was it not? Um, so I guess that's uh, all we're looking for. And we are also joined just this moment by uh, John Irons. How are you tonight? I'm good. Fantastic. Uh, and you're just in time to join our discussion about the very short trek, Skin a Cat. What did you think of this very short trek? Assuming that you saw it. Is good. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Tom, did you like it? 
I did. I especially liked uh, the revisiting the animation style. Yeah, and uh, with uh, my understanding is with all of these very short tracks that they're going to be giving us, they're all going to be in the style. They're all in the original uh, TAS animation style because it's the 50th anniversary of the animated series. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they uh, visually interpret different ships in different time periods. Uh, finally, hitting the, the end of the circle. Rick, what did you think of Skin and Cat? Circles don't have ends. I thought it was stupid. I didn't like it at all. Uh, it was amusing at first, and then they just beat the ever-living hell out of a joke. I'm, And it's not even a joke. And, and this is... I am so sick of listening to comedians bitch that they can't make these jokes anymore. And the whole thing just... It, it, at first was like, oh, great, the TAS style... They got Ethan Peck to do Spock. Who the hell is this guy doing Kirk? That's and Pete Holmes. Just, and I, I'm not convinced it's Kirk, but it is stand-up comedian Pete Holmes. And I, I, I love him. I don't know him. Um, I just, it just, it, it, it was, it was two and a half minutes too long for the one joke they had. And I just, I just didn't like it. I was, I'm, I'm more upset, less, I'm less upset because I didn't like it than I am if this is a harbinger of the way the rest of them are going to be then I'm I'm not thrilled I'm, I'm guessing that the rest of these very short tracks are going to be similar insofar as they're going to have an idea for a joke that you can't make an episode out of this joke you can't even make a short track out of this joke but you can do a really short short thing to tell this one Star Trek related joke and then move on. Um, whether they're going to be the same like style of joke or tone of joke, I don't know. But this brings up a good question, I think, for, for everyone else. Um, was, it, was there anyone else on the panel tonight that thought that the, the writer or writers of this short Trek, actually, you know what, since we're doing that Star Trek podcast, let me check. There are no uh, writer or director credits uh, that I can see for this short trick. So we'll move past that. Uh, was there anyone else that thought whoever wrote this short trick was trying to say it's ridiculous of all the jokes that we can't tell anymore because of political correctness and whatnot? Did, did anyone think that they were trying to like slide a message into this singular joke? thought it was a gag. No, it was, it was it was a comic strip. It was the equivalent of a comic strip, mm. and so that was it, was it was as long as it. I mean, I was about to say it was as long as it needed to be. I mean, I guess technically it could have been a little bit shorter, but no, they knew that it was the same joke over and over. Or, or I say a comic strip. I guess I guess like an SNL skit, a very short SNL skit, Mad Magazine. But, yeah, because they 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 do the exact same thing. It's one joke. And then it kind of builds and it builds and they knew that it was building by the end because because it wasn't just doing one at a time you know i started there, was, there were two and then there was the long drawn out about the perfect woman or the or the the, the person that he needed yeah um like no it was it was it was fine and i don't I, 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 didn't, I didn't get a we can't do jokes like this kind of thing anymore it was it was i mean i guess that might have been the kernel of the bit but I felt like where it went with that joke was completely legitimate. I thought it was more a joke about the ridiculousness of Star Trek aliens. Like, 
yeah, the that, cat that, alien. That's where I was going. Alien. That's what I thought it was more about that than about you know who are we offending now. Yeah, and I I definitely appreciated that uh, they brought the Antedians back after you know one appearance in Next Generation. Now we get them in in original TAS style. I I thought that was funny because it's a it's a mildly recognizable alien. Um, and and I was still on board at that point, but when they started you know making the 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 anthropomorphic screw and the butthead and it just. According to Memory Alpha, uh, that was ass face and screw head. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) You know, humor (laughs) is a very, very subjective thing, and this this one just did not work for me. I thought it was it was. I already said what I had to say. I didn't. Yeah, for for me, it was it was less about the um, everyone gets offended at everything, and more just how many different kinds of common phrases can we turn into an alien. I saw it more from a wordplay aspect, and as we know, that's my jam. So, right. I didn't have a problem with it. Right. How many different varieties of aliens do we see on Star Trek? And it, it had to have started with... I, the, the title has to be the 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 seed that they first had. Let's say, what if someone said there's more than one way to skin a cat in front of a rest? Uh, that'd be funny. What if there's... And then it just builds from there. Um, per, person, my favorite part of the of the short was that they got Pete Holmes to voice uh, whether that was Captain Kirk or not. Name was never said. It didn't look like him. It didn't sound like him. Maybe it was an alternate universe where there was a different captain. But still, I, I love his stand-up. I think he's a hilarious guy. Uh, so when I when I heard him on this short, I was, I was delighted. Um, looking forward to seeing what they come up with next. If they have something that's a little less repetitive, That'd be cool because I did. I was starting to wonder where are you going with this, but other than that, I was pleased with it. And that concludes our discussion of Star Trek: Very Short Treks. Skin a cat. Uh, maybe someone drops some music in here. No. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we now jump into the episode proper, where we discuss episode one of season four of Star Trek Lower Decks, titled Tuvix, T-W-O-V-I-X, Tuvix, written by Mike McMahon and directed by Barry J. Kelly and Jason Zurek. Once again, going around, in reverse order this time, what did everyone think of this season premiere? Rick, how do you I think? loved it. Both my wife and I enjoyed it, and and it's it was still fun on a second watch. Uh, this was just they crammed even more Easter eggs in and yet still managed to keep them from being like in your face. So I just, I, I love this show. I love this opening. Yes. Thumb and three quarters up. Excellent. Uh, Tom, how'd you feel about this premiere? You know, I really, I can't say much more than, <laughs> than Rick. Uh, really enjoyed it. So. All right. John, uh, it was good. I, uh, I just like once it started. Once I saw the title, actually, because I didn't look ahead, I didn't know what the title was going to be until the episode started. I was like, oh, I really hope Sean's able to make this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope Sean's able to record uh, when we do the podcast about it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sean has been 
complaining about the two bits episode literally every day <laughs> about 4 p.m. every day since it aired <laughs> so i was looking forward to hearing his thoughts about uh, having his position vindicated in in canon universe mm-hmm. um but no but I, I is he I in the janeway murder two vixed camp oh rick <laughs> <laughs> everyone here knows how could you not know how i don't Sean... think i've ever heard him talk about it it's come up (laughs) a little bit a little bit here and there a time here and there (laughs) all right uh moving on neek how did you feel about this episode i'm a huge voyager fan so all the like the retrospective voyager's greatest hits i thought was awesome and like the the animatronic salamander babies it was so funny the retro virus the cheese i mean it was brilliant it was it was such a good time and the the resolution to the the tuvix issue i mean it's sort of like it was pretty clever because they they get to have their cake and eat it too it's like they get to say janeway was wrong but in the end they basically do the same thing janeway did so well done <laughs> Only because it was made a bigger problem by their by their new officer. So well yeah. now we now we have to we have to, to kill this uh, huge conglomeration of of awfulness in order to get all the crew back. It it, it worked out, um, and also adding a little bit of opinion from uh, Virginia, who was not able to join us on the panel due to illness. Um, uh, she did really love how this episode after three seasons of mostly leaning into uh, original next. series original series movies the next generation as their source for references this episode they gave all the voyager fans a great big heaping helping of the the same humor that tng fans have been enjoying for the past couple seasons so so that was the end i have to agree for them to say, hey, you know what we haven't made enough references to for the past couple of years? Voyager. Here's an entire episode that's, you know, front to back cheese references. <laughs> I, I got so excited when when they they started showing the ship because, you know, we saw a nacelle, you know, the, the first shot of, of the Voyager was like a nacelle or something. I was like, huh? and then we saw the warp, the, the deflector dish. And I went, Voyager! <laughs> I choked up. <laughs> yeah. I, I was getting emotional, a, a cartoon version of Voyager, and I'm like, oh. Oh, when they played the music, I was just yeah, sniffle. That, that, yeah. That's what that's what does it. That's the nice thing about Star Trek is they have so many great themes that you just play that one piece of music to go along with the visual, and and it, it's a home run. Um, the only I thing have, that that disappointed me, just real quick, yeah. and and it because I was I was just wrong. The the guy who was the curator. I mm-hmm. swore that was Ethan Phillips. Me yeah. too. And yeah. then I had to Thought freeze frame the, the post credits and it, it wasn't. Anyway. Yep. He wasn't in there. Um, let me see. I think there's, they usually Ethan put a Phillips cast list. Played. It was Andy Neelix. Richter. Okay. Yeah. E- Ethan Phillips played Neelix, but uh, the curator, what, is, is that who Andy Richter was? I knew he was in the episode. Yeah. 
Andy Richter. I, I didn't try looking it up because I have tried in the past to look up who did what voices on Lower Decks before, and IMDb either frequently doesn't have them or has it wrong or something. I, I don't know. It, the, for some reason, finding out who the guest stars on Lower Decks are can be can be tricky. Memory Alpha is the place to go. Yeah, hundred percent. Go to go to the the page about that particular episode on Memory Alpha. They're always going to have it. Um, anyone have any uh, favorite Easter eggs or references from from this particular episode? Because I know there were a lot. Uh, before anyone else comments on the Easter eggs or whatever, I have not seen every episode of Voyager. Uh, I know, I know, I know. But just. <laughs> Don't give me that look, Nick. I know. <laughs> uh, winner is that what is that what that sign means? Thank you, Tom. Uh, <laughs> um, I have not seen every episode of Voyager, but I've seen you know the first three seasons, I think. So I think I got all of the references. So you stopped watching when it got good. Apparently, I, I mean, it's, it's, it wasn't. I didn't like just stop watching like out of frustration or anything it just you know it was i started binging them this was maybe four or five years ago i was like you know what? i've never seen voyager let me stop watching them and so i would watch them on sundays when i was doing laundry <laughs> basically i was watching a couple episodes uh a week um and then like my routine changed so i stopped doing that and i just never got back to it anyway how dare you yeah yeah <laughs> i was going to say as the Star Trek fan on this uh, panel who is not as deep into Star Trek as the rest of you, um, even, I'm sure I missed a ton of references, even with what I saw, I enjoyed it very much. Because again, one of the things Lord Dex does so well, you they kind of, the exposition that you need to know, they give you. And everything that you don't need to know, but is like a nice little bonus for someone else, if you get it, great. If you don't get it, you don't lose anything. So, uh, just offering the, uh, I'm not quite a newbie, but I guess the Voyager loser perspective, is that what, this, is that what I am now? <laughs> the Voyager denier. Uh, Tom, did you have anything that, uh, that stuck out for you? And, and not necessarily just an Easter egg, but, uh, you know, uh, moments, references, anything. Um, I particularly like the Michael Sullivan hologram being included oh in there. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That was his, so uh, good. <laughs> I miss my wife line. <laughs> While he's polishing the, the console in Astrometric like a, a bar. Um, I, I, I thought that was really well done. Um, the clown was not a holodeck program as I recall though. So Correct. I thought that too. I was bothered yeah. by that as well. Well, yeah. they, they mentioned it, I think. That yeah, so and so wasn't a hologram. It's like, yeah, I know oh, everything's screwed yeah, up. Right. <laughs> they they did cite they they hung a lantern on it because they wanted an excuse to get that clown in there. <laughs> Too bad they it, couldn't have gotten Michael McKean in there to voice it though, because yeah, that oh. was a creepy character. I would have been so delighted if they had managed to get Michael McKean to do just a couple lines. <laughs> that would have been the greatest. And we get to uh, the end of this episode, and you know, after all the uh, the hijinks have uh, have been wrapped up, the conglomerated 
organism is uh, split apart, and Voyager is finally you know back under control. Thank you, Cheese. We get kind of a big moment for Lower Decks. We get some actual changes, and most of our uh, core group of of hero characters receive promotions at the end of this episode. Ensigns no more, except for Rutherford because he broke Voyager. Um, that that might have been my favorite aspect of this particular episode because they're they're getting into a fourth season and they're they're breaking out of the uh, longstanding you know, TV trope of a lot of shows where they just maintain the st- the status quo for much longer than it should because well this is where we have the characters this is where we tell the stories but now they're letting some things actually change they're giving these characters some promotions and that will I presume change how some of them uh, behave change what some of them have to do on the ship which is always flexible because this is such a comedy show but still it's it's progress and not something that we always see did anyone have any uh, particular opinions or thoughts on the fact that characters are moving up in the world I agree with you I like that they're willing to to change things it I agree it becomes stagnant whenever things remain the same beyond the point where it makes sense. So the mm. fact that they're no longer technically in the lower decks is is kind of cool even though the show is still called, called Lower Decks. Agreed. Well, our show's our show's on Mars now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yep, that's right. Moon show ain't exactly moon show anymore. <laughs> I liked it. Uh it I was surprised, pleasantly so. But you know, as as Boimler pointed out, they are the lowest, lowest ranking middle management officers, so they're still going to be getting the shit jobs, just slightly less shit than than they've been getting, and they're not sleeping in a hallway anymore. Exactly, and well, we don't really get into that until the next episode. Well, true, yeah. As far as where they are, they, well, they mentioned that they're getting their own rooms. Yeah, yes, that's true. They mention it in this episode, and they'll get their own rooms in the next episode. Um, And before we... Sorry, go ahead. I have a question. Um, So at the very beginning, um, Ransom was like, you know, don't screw up, and like you're you're shooing for the promotion. And then uh, Bormler spills some of the holodeck juice, let's call Mm it, on his foot or something. And I thought that that would, you know be relevant to the plot but i don't think it was it didn't have anything to do with no. anything right it was just an example of him beginning to feel nervous and screw up yep mm-hmm. exactly yeah. Not that. well it, that's good but yeah i, I was i was expecting nobody wants to be fused thing. with the holiday cheese yeah. <laughs> i thought that was going to be like the precipitating event that would Same. start whatever the big problem was going to be in the episode but no he was just spilling the the holodeck just every Same time i come up with every Say time it. I he, he just he had a little mishap and he kind of maybe spilled a little bit of the holiday spooch I said juice you're gross <laughs> you told me to say I said juice <laughs> you didn't tell Schmutz. me to say what you said did y'all Schmutz. talk about that works did you talk about the relationship between Boimler and Mariner and how that has that that scene in the in the hallway, I I thought nope. it was very touching. 
and and I agree, it was that was the that was their their one genuine moment in an episode of of ridiculousness, which is par for the course on this series. Um, it it did feel to me a little bit like, well, haven't we established that the that these two are are actually really good friends and they do really care about each other and we're establishing it again, but I really. Is there such a thing as too much of of two main characters who who may bicker and and poke at each other, but you, every now and again you get a repeated reassurance that no, these these two are tight and they've got each other's backs. So I don't it, think so. You don't think what? Don't think that there's such a thing as too much of that. Well, okay, yeah, there, there could be, but I don't think we come even close to it. With this right, 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 Exa- exactly. I had that moment of, haven't we done this before? But then I realized, who cares? This is a great moment. Keep bring them on, keep it coming. Also, if if we're talking about character growth, then uh, you know, big round of applause to Boimler for uh, heading into the room and seeing Ransom. Who who else it, was it? Ransom, Shax, and Rutherford that were that were uh, glued to the wall. The metaphor guy. Yeah, yeah, ransom, yeah. ransom, Kayshawn, Kayshawn and, and 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 Rutherford. Yeah, and he he disobeys an order, and cuts Rutherford down, because that's the one that he needs uh, help from to to save the ship. So, yay for Boimler for for not being too much of a toady. And we can't wrap up discussion of this particular episode until we get to the final scene which is the introduction of this season's uh, ongoing mystery plotline that we'll resolve later. And that is a mystery vessel that uh, happens upon a, it's a, you know, a Klingon ship, the, yeah. the Chita, and just blows it straight out of space. I love the fact that we see we're once again we see the the Klingon lower deckers, yeah. Before, before the the ship destroys them. <laughs> were they that the was... same? Were they the same ones we saw last season? That is a good question. I do not know, and I will have the same question when we discuss the next episode, because we see a Romulan ship, and yeah, it does make me wonder if we've seen these. Uh, lower deckers before. One 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 thing before we run away from this episode that I would like to just at least give a give a a, a nod to was the homage to the Beverly Troy workout. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's the second. I think that's, that yeah, that's next episode. No. Yeah. Oh crap! You're right. You're right. Never mind. Well, regardless, whichever episode it's in, it was brilliant. It was. Uh, I I had to bring up a picture of that scene to show to my wife because she didn't remember it. Oh, my God. I'm sure everyone in this panel recognized the outfit immediately before we even saw the full thing and was on the floor. It was so good. Yeah, it, uh, it did not take long. The thing that always amazed me about the original scene is you've got two of the most gorgeous women ever to be in Star Trek put in outfits that make them look absolutely awful. (laughs) 
and trying to make it seem like a sexy scene and it was just like it just failed on all levels and you could tell they were uncomfortable as hell doing it and and then and then they did this and it was it was great <laughs> you really have to I dress mean, us up in these outfits and have us talk about sex at the same time i mean that original scene from tng is now worth it because of the scene in lower decks <laughs> yeah. it was all leading to this moment yep yeah. once again <laughs> something awful from star trek past is uh uh, uh what's what i'm looking for it, it, it's Modern. redeemed yes <laughs> It, it, it is redeemed retroactively by Lower Decks. Um, I'm also very we, glad that we got to to Lara. Is that her name? The the Vulcan. To Lynn. To Lynn. Uh, the, yes. That she's in now. Yes, the Klingons and to Lynn are all from the previous. You know, it was the Klingon Lower Deck. It was the Vulcan Lower Deck. So they're going back to that after the Wedge Douche. Yeah. I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Good, good, very good. Yeah, it was, that's exactly what it was. I could never have remembered that. I'm impressed. <laughs> does anyone have, as our final thoughts on, on this episode, does anyone have any theories about who this mystery ship is? Do we think that it's something brand new or do we think that's something that they're bringing back? Yes. <laughs> I think it's Voyager. A very, not, a very not that teeny, Voyager. tiny Voyager? Not that Voyager. The old IMV Voyager. <laughs> oh, he's, oh, oh, okay. It does bear a slight resemblance. Beecher. It does bear a slight resemblance to the Doctor's mobile emitter, but I don't think. <laughs> so that, that ship, it, you could see in some of the trailers or teasers and stuff, and it, it really bugged me. It looked familiar, and I finally figured it out today. It really looks to me like an agonizer. Yeah. From the mirror universe. Mm, yeah. Although it's not angular enough, but yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, that, that general shape, I can see that. My wife was like, it's got a face, which it kind of does in a pareidolia sort of way. I, I, found, uh, I found an article that posited. Is this, is this speculation or is this? Spoiler. No, this is. I found an article that speculates on on two possible uh, theories on what this ship might be, okay. and the the one that's uh, they're they're both incredibly thin, uh, but the one that they admit was the thinnest is that they think it might be somehow related to the Breen, who have used energy draining weapons before, and because when the ship moves up into firing position, it kind of looks like a Breen helmet, to which I say, eh, you guys are really reaching. Mm, that, that's, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't have a problem with it maybe being Breen, but no, it does not look anything like a Breen. <laughs> yeah, they, they they were trying to come up with something to, to fill the word count in that particular post that they're writing. <laughs> You know, the, the first thing I thought of when we saw it, because it was it was coming on nose first and it sort of looked ovoid, was Tin Man, Gomtu. Hmm. Um, but then it clearly was not. Yeah, very, very much not. And with that, yeah, we're going to wrap up uh, on two Vix and we're going to move on to episode two of season four. I have no bones, yet I must flee. Written I by love Ant that title. Written by Aaron Burdett and directed by Megan Lloyd. Um, as Rick has mentioned, 
it is a nice title uh, a play on Harlan Ellison's I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream and this episode it literally it kind of, well kind of picks up exactly where the previous episode left off because the teaser before the credits is once again this mystery alien ship and it happens upon a Romulan vessel uh, which has again a couple lower deck officers which we we might have seen before I can't I can't keep track uh, to me it did seem like either they got um, Carolyn Seymour back to voice another female Romulan or they got a Carolyn Seymour sound alike to do her because she's been a Romulan a few times in TNG so in this particular episode we uh, have as we already mentioned Ransom and Shax doing a, uh, a workout routine and of course we have someone overhearing part of a conversation and filling in like the other 75% of it with just sheer speculation. So now Mariner is convinced that Ransom is uh, out to ensure that she gets demoted. It, it, it occurs to me that in order to discuss this episode, we need to talk about the scene between Mariner and Ransom in the previous episode that we didn't, where he had already, he had promoted her to Lieutenant JG and she went to him and said, no, I don't want it through the pip at him. And he, you know, that was back and forth, back and forth. And finally he's like, nope, you have, you have done this a million times. You're not doing it this time. I'm your CO. You're getting the, the promotion cope with it. And then he starts doing pull-ups. <laughs> right. Right. As he does. Yeah. Um, yes. We, we did miss that scene and, and you're right. It does play directly into this in, in a way that, makes me think that Mariner's, I guess, quote-unquote, misunderstanding what Ransom meant when she was eavesdropping makes it that much harder to believe that that she would think that. That's the yeah, only I, thing I, I was, didn't care about for this episode was that such a sitcom thing, but, you know. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that. I mean, like I said, a standard sitcom thing. But it didn't matter... It didn't matter what she overheard him saying or if she overheard him saying anything. She was going to play out the narrative that fit what she expected or wanted. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't matter that she happened to overhear him. I mean, that, that was more uh, for us as the audience to recognize this trope. But they wisely and smartly um, wrote the episode in such a way that by the end of it, you realize, okay, it didn't, it's not necessarily that she misheard her or misunderstood him. She was trying to twist his words to get the message that she wanted. Yeah. Yeah, Mariner's gonna Mariner. <laughs> exactly right. Um, it, it also occurs to me that I did not go around the table to see what everyone thought of this episode. Um, who, who liked it? Say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course. Same. Okay, good. That handles that. <laughs> I, I did think this this was a, a very fun episode. And setting aside that that trope, um, it was a nice journey that we went on in the uh, in the zoo. The menage. With, yeah. <laughs> it's a menage situation. Um of of her constantly waiting for ransom to 
uh, to get her in trouble and him just stubbornly and so irritatingly supporting her. How dare he? Um, poor Ensign Gary. <laughs> uh, poor Ensign Gary's pants. <laughs> and speaking of Mariner, uh, uh, anyone on the panel think throughout the episode that she did release uh, Moopsie from the cage? I did until she said it. Until she said she didn't. And then I yeah. believed her that she didn't. Mm-hmm. Same. And I like that he believed her initially, too. He's like, tell me you didn't do it. And it's like, oh, I didn't do it. Okay, fine. Then let's go. That's, that's right. That was yeah. that was good. They, uh, in, I think, the previous episode and in this episode both, they're, the, the writers are doing a good job of helping to, uh, in a way, redeem Ransom's character. He's not, he's not a waste of space, and he's not well, he is full of himself, but he's he's not just about that. He's actually proving so far to be a a competent first officer and and a decent mentor because he's actually trying to uh, support one of his crew members. I'm about to say, how dare you? <laughs> I like Ransom. I've always liked Ransom. I, I don't feel like he. Yeah. I don't feel like he needed any redemption. Ransom's awesome. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, I've I've never like disliked the character, but they did seem to be leaning into the. He may not always be, you know, the smartest guy, and he doesn't necessarily respect all the lower decks officers. But they're that part. They're they're turning it around. I am glad that they seem to have drifted away a bit from the Mariner Ransom romance they kind of seemed to be aiming for in season one. I agree. I, I I agree with you. I I don't yeah, know if they I'm, were aiming for it really hard. Yeah, I don't I, know if aiming for as as much as maybe not denying. Like they 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 like a, a barely bit of a breadcrumb here and there to give themselves, uh, you know, to leave the door open in case they decided to pursue it. it later seasons just before he became a big giant head wasn't she like oh so ethical (laughs) well yeah but there have been various moments where you know where she she expresses that she's attracted to him but then at other times she's you know exasperated or like oh this guy you know like when he starts doing pull-ups she's like okay i'm out (laughs) right no so she goes back and forth which is perfectly believable yeah i mean who hasn't in their life been attracted to someone and then he started doing pull-ups and you're like yeah all right so no. Girl. or he opens his mouth <laughs> it's so relatable it's ridiculous we could do a podcast about that <laughs> i you know you and y- y'all are right maybe it was just uh in any other show if a character goes oh he's so ethical and that then there would have been several episodes devoted to them getting together and then breaking up and then getting together and stuff and, and they didn't do it so maybe I'm just putting my own expectations in in here well that's what Lower Decks teaches us don't have expectations indeed <laughs> don't ever never all right, I got a question I got a question for all of you because yep. in the menagerie which is some you know it's similar to like the the, the, the museum in was it season one where they had the 40 foot Spock skeleton and a lot of a lot of Easter eggs in there in the collection uh, aside from the Aldebaran serpent the three headed 
serpent that Q appeared as in Q, mm-hmm. uh, hide and Q. Uh-huh. Were there, I didn't see any other recognizable critters in there. I thought I saw a couple that were from the uh, animated series. I thought the um, flying snake might have been from the animated series. I was thinking that. Um, Memory Alpha lists one, and I haven't been able to catch an image of it. Steady Eels. Oh, really? In there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I didn't see that at all. Yeah, neither did I. Oh, darn. Uh, I have to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, the, the outfits on the humans were a bit of an Easter egg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Those uh, uh, multicolored onesies. Yeah. What were yeah. those from? Well, just, they're just very TNG. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah T- TNG DS9 era. We need civilian clothing. Well, how about this? Literally, no one would wear that. Yeah, Perfect. <laughs> no one, no one that has a an excretory system would wear that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it feels to me, unless someone disagrees, it feels that there's not a whole lot to say regarding the menagerie plotline. We kind of covered it. Uh, Mariner thinks that Ransom is, is out to get her. Uh, so she's... She's acting up, but then they reach an understanding. They work together and they save the day. I I think we need to talk about Moopsie. I'm sorry, but I adored Moopsie. I now have a favorite Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's um, fine. Yeah, and, and I think as soon as we saw Moopsie, there was no doubt that it was going to be a uh, you know some sort of vicious hell beast. Um, but the way they did it. I thought was brilliant because it stayed cute the whole time, except when it was drinking something's bones. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I was, I was also very surprised that they killed the plant dude that ran the thing. Um, Mm. The the curator. Yeah. Mr. Banana. Yeah. He he did look like the, what are those banana guys from anyway? Uh, I, I, just loved Moopsie. <laughs> Maybe irrationally so, but I thought it was a a a cute alien creature as it was uh, 100% designed to be, and uh, I will not be surprised if I find uh, plush Moopsies available on Etsy by next week. You know, I, uh, my, I think it was my wife. Pretty sure it was my wife who made the connection between the uh, the, the 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 cute. Aliens and Galaxy Quest and Moopsie. Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> the miners? Yep. Yeah. Miners, yeah, the miners. Yeah, they can't be more they can't be more than like six years old. <laughs> miners, not miners. You lost me. That's uh, but I, I just I enjoyed I enjoyed the, the menagerie thing. I uh I thought that they were going to go a little overboard with Easter eggs and they didn't, which again was, uh, was kind of nice. You know, I like it when the Easter eggs, we, I mean, we, we all love the Easter eggs in the show, but they only, they, they've been very good about only doing them when they make sense. Mm-hmm. They, For the most part. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they're, like they're forcing it. They're showing some restraint and I think wisely so. Well, I think of this one that a lot of the Easter eggs are a little, they're, they're once you catch them and you're doing screen get crap or 
you know, multiple viewings and just looking very closely in the background because I honestly I'm looking at screen grabs right now and I'm seeing a lot of uh of creatures in the menagerie. There's a a Klingon Glomer from the animated uh Tribbles episode. I know what you're talking about. I saw that and that was my first thought was that's a glomer, but it really isn't. No? It doesn't I mean the glomer was red, first of all. And that well, thing is looks more like a tulip with legs. Well remember everything in, in animated series was pink. So. The, the, yeah. yeah the, everything the, was the wrong color. Yeah. yeah. The, the the tribbles were were purple pink. So pink, yeah. <laughs> moving moving off from the, from the menagerie plotline, we also have. Well, uh, well, oh, well, wait, 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 sorry, sorry. Okay. I, I want, one last thing about the menagerie plotline: <laughs> Ransom having Mariner just punch the shit out of him <laughs> to <laughs> knock his teeth out. <laughs> I, uh, it once they started doing it, doing that, I had the same thought that uh, Mariner eventually voiced when they were back on the ship, which is. Uh, you, do you really need that many teeth? How many teeth do you really need for this? <laughs> she was like, we only really needed ten. <laughs> I don't know. I, t- I, I liked that Mariner and Ransom worked out their problems. And, and while we had that sitcom plot line of only hearing half the conversation or whatever, and then Mariner just, you know, being mariner times 10 i love these moments we saw them in uh uh was it season one with uh in uh invicta anyway where she had the moment with her mother where finally her mother got her to realize what she was doing and she and she realized it and stopped and admitted it um if this was another moment here where mariner will be mariner but if you drive the point home enough with her that she's screwing up and she's pushing things too far and she's taking things in the wrong direction, she'll realize it. And I really love those moments with Mariner when she's like, no, I don't. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And there was one of the, you know, there was that moment with her and Ransom and I thought it it, it was worth an episode and a half of her just absolutely trying to get ransom to put her in a in an airlock mm. and i'm hoping in the same way that they're allowing things to change by promoting these characters in the last episode i'm hoping that this is something else they're going to keep going throughout the season where uh ransom and mariner are actually going to work well together if i wouldn't hold my breath on that <laughs> well I'm, I'm certainly not going to bet the house on it but if we have even just a few points throughout the season where Mariner actually tries to do well in this new rank, new position, and avails herself of Ransom's help to do so, mm. that's something I would appreciate seeing. You don't have to, you know, certainly they're not going to turn her into a model officer, but maybe someone who actually listens to Ransom by choice instead of being forced to admit that he's right for 20 seconds out of a half hour episode. I fully expect that to be the case. Mm. Like, it was, like you know, we saw it on uh, Strange New Worlds, of course, and we saw it here. Like, she is, she, she 
she has to actively stop herself from being as good as she could be. <laughs> like, like it's not like she has to try hard and then she'll achieve. She has to try hard to not achieve because she she does know a lot of stuff and she is super capable and she does she like she she actively holds herself back uh, because she doesn't want the responsibility. Right. And so I think it'll be and what I was referring to specifically was um, uh, yeah you were a bigger enterprise than I was no I wasn't shut up like you know just like you want to do this just no I didn't shut up like like <laughs> I expect that will happen but just in terms of leadership role stuff with with Ransom so she'll she'll still do the stuff her instinct will be to do the stuff but then she'll get called out for being good and she'll deny it or or Shut up. No, I'm I'm a firebrand. I'm a loose cannon. Shut up. Last thing. Question I'm going to ask about Ransom. Does anyone think that these new teeth are going to stick through the rest of the season? Or do you think he's going to look like he has normal teeth? Oh, Maybe a couple episodes. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. If they decide to let those big-ass teeth continue, even for just one more episode, I'll appreciate the, the humor in that. Now, back on the Cerritos, uh, we have a few things happening. First, uh, Boimler's only adventure in this particular episode, it's all about where he's going to sleep. Talk about a sitcom plot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he's trying out different quarters on for size, trying to find one that he can actually deal with. One is right next to the uh, Bussard Collector. So it's filled with nothing but... uh, Brilliant red light. Full of hot bassards. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hot bassards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Next up, he tries um, uh, a cabin that is somehow settled between two holodecks. <laughs> that was and, funny. <laughs> and soundproofing ain't a thing. That that was good. It was it, it was predictable yet still funny to hear Shax and Ta'ana in their holodeck program. But then we move to the other side of the room and you have Captain Freeman uh, pretending to just just be the best. The the, now, best. Did, I didn't catch what Freeman did until the second time I watched it with the subtitles on. Because I always watch it the first time just to watch it. And then the second time I watch it with the subtitles on. Mm-hmm. Because we all heard, I would like to, now that I, I'm I happily accept the president of the whole federation now i'm going to do some scatting (laughs) (laughs) i didn't catch that the first time through (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i think that i think those are the only two sets of quarters that boimler uh that boimler tries before he moves into a jeffrey's tube i think that's all we see yeah yeah, I think the Jeffrey's tube is the third one that we see. Um, now, what I noticed, I was trying to figure out if there was any sort of like, like hidden joke that I wasn't quite picking up on. But when he's in that first set of quarters next to the nacelle, mm-hmm. and uh, we see his mirror universe Jonathan Archer action figure, he mentions it, and he's we see it in his hand. There's one. He gets to the next set of quarters. And there's still Mirror Universe Archer and a uh, TOS movie version of Spock in the maroon uniform. Yeah. 
And then we get to the third set of quarters, and those first two action figures are still there, and then add on to that a Commander Data from First Contact holding a phaser rifle. So each... So, well, yeah, they are his toys, but each new room that we see him in, we see an additional toy being added to the lineup. And it made me wonder, if aren't they adding these particular toys for any particular reason, or are they just having fun with him having more action figures? Second thing. I think it's the latter. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking too deep, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Um... In addition to Boimler looking for places to uh, to oh. hang his hat. Oh, hold Wait. on. Uh, he also had his uh, pinup poster of yeah. Una. Yes, yes, he had his recruitment poster. That showed up a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, speaking of Una and Strange New Worlds, was it uh, the first or second episode where where they mentioned that particular adventure? The first, first. one. First, first one. Okay. That Pike thing we're not supposed to talk about. Right. <laughs> a, a very quick one sentence reference, but I like that they did it. They made it real. Um, <clears throat> outside of Boimler doing his thing, we have Rutherford, who has decided that he wants a promotion. And they spend a lot of the episode, you know, kind of kind of working around the actual reason that he wants a promotion, which I, I saw it coming personally. I, I figured this was going to be the reason that they gave, but by the time we get to the end of the episode, it's revealed that the reason that he is trying to get a promotion now and we learn has turned down multiple offers for promotion before is because he wants to stay near Tendi. Is this friendship or is this... Yes. Is this the, the no. romance? The, yes. The previous no. possible... Uh, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't think it's romantic, and I, I don't think be it's so angry if they do that. And I don't think it's even specifically Tindy. I think Tindy is like you know the one he's closest to. But I do think it. I think it's. I think it's the team. I think it's all four of them. I think he doesn't want to be apart from the team, especially Tindy. Yeah. I no, wasn't trying to advocate for for romance, by the way. No, I'm not I saying just, you were. I was just putting out just a question. Saying. <laughs> I only I I, I and, and sorry I was I was going I was trying to be funny, but uh, the the Tendy Rutherford relationship is so goddamn pure and adorable and wonderful. I don't want them tainting it with anything other than what it is. I could see. Huh. Um, even you know, not in a romantic way, but what it, to Lynn is that the Vulcan officer or the Vulcan mm-hmm. uh, lower decker? Yes. Um, I I can see there being kind of a friendship engineering love triangle between <laughs> them, <laughs> like Rutherford getting jealous if if uh, she's spending more time with with the, to Lynn or or like they're doing all the stuff that she and Rutherford used to do. I could see that being maybe the a B plot to an episode, but beyond that no and honestly Rutherford to Rutherford he'll just be like oh awesome the boy to marry her <laughs> no I love what Tendi I... and Rutherford have and they they've even talked about it that you know they are not romantically interested in each other but they are 
so close and and it it's it's just i i love them so much together i don't want them to to inject a romance into that relationship i just want it to be what it is and i could you know i may be on the minority on that but i don't ship them at all other than what they are which is just best friends and i love it that way mm-hmm it seems like they're setting up a rivalry between Rutherford and this the new guy. I uh, whatever his name was. Livic. I really, yeah. I hope that this was mainly a one episode gag, and he might you know he might show up from time to time. But I hope it it doesn't get to like be a thing. Between, I don't think we'll see him again. I mean, it's lower decks. Like that. I yeah. I expect we'll probably see him again. But I would hate for this to be like a running thing where like the two of them are trying to outdo each other or he's trying to outdo Rutherford. Mm-hmm. There's enough nemesis on this show already. I have seen some... some, some oh, sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, I, I didn't have anything. Wrong, but I will wrong Madison. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I do want to point out, though, John's excellent use of the plural on nemesis. Thank you. <laughs> I have seen online today uh, some mentions uh, of um, Rutherford. Oh, you mean I can just ask for what I deserve? <laughs> and, and a lot of people are like, that's kind of a revelation. And maybe we should do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I picked up the same vibe from that. Maybe not as a... You know, this is a clarion call to everyone. You're worth it. Go out and get it. But just one of those, you know, small reminders. You know, a lot of people don't realize that if you deserve recognition, you know, ask for it. It was a a nice moment to see on the screen and the fact that he immediately got what he did deserve. Yeah. I have a question for y'all because I was confused. When did... When did... Shaq start calling Boimler Baby Bear? Or does he just call everybody Baby Bear? I think he calls everybody Baby Bear. Um, no, it's well, I, Boimler specific when he became Boimler's mentor. I don't yeah. remember which season, I don't remember which episode, but he, he's Boimler's uh, bridge buddy. Yeah, I want to say it was season two, I think. Okay, because I, I thought Baby Bear was Rutherford. I remember he... he uh, was calling him that at least in season one he referred to Rutherford as baby bear yeah so, at least, so at least he started calling Rutherford baby bear when Rutherford was going through the different department mm-hmm. and joined his bear pack uh, Boimler was uh, after he had uh, Boimler was suggested that they eject the warp core at to uh, mm-hmm what whatever oh, class ship they were arguing yeah. and so that's when he got the baby bear as well okay okay nice tom is really impressing me with his encyclopedic knowledge of lower decks i i'm i i'm just channeling you <laughs> now if i had given out the name of the episode then you know See, I I have TNG covered, so I, Tom is covering my blind spot. So he's he's go. gonna he's gonna be our our go-to lower decks guy. 
I'm double checking to see if there's any other uh, notice or notable aspects of the episode that we didn't get to, and I don't think there really was, except for the fact that uh, by the time we're done, and Rutherford has gotten his promotion, so now, so yeah, now Mariner, Tendi, Boimler, and Rutherford are all junior grade lieutenants, mm-hmm. and now Talin. Was she commissioned to lieutenant as well, or did yeah. she get it? Because yeah, she did. Yeah, I think she she had like a um, like a noncom rank before. Well, it was like a provisional. It looked a lot like the Maquis. Yeah. 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 So okay, now I got it. Uh, so now that there are all these uh, uh, higher ranks, and we get Rutherford and. Boimler are now roommates instead of hallway mates. Now they're roommates back at the same set of quarters that was right next to the nacelle and go to Rutherford. He's so smart. Just dim the windows. I think that was bugging me from the get-go because I was like, dude, windows dim. (laughs) Same. Pull the blinds. Yeah. Boimler should know this. Yeah. (laughs) But Um, Plot. But clever <laughs> Easter egg when he's when he's in the room, he's trying to find a way to to live with it, and he pulls out that visor, yeah, and puts it on <laughs> to block the red light, which is another TOS callback. Yep, is there a little no beauty? Well, I've got three other it, Easter it, eggs. Just, just oh, real quick, to answer, to answer, John, it, yeah. it's yes. the episode in "Is There in Truth No Beauty" with the Medusan Ambassador Kolos. Spock uh, is the only one who can look at him, and he has to wear that red visor. So this is um, also a prodigy callback because they use them to hunt the Well, prodigy is yeah. a callback to that. Yes. Yeah. Don't correct me. Don't you, <laughs> you man. <laughs> I made an accurate, <laughs> correct, and salient reference to another TS Star Trek show. And you're gonna shut me down? Hanging up. No. Hanging up right now. Just backwards. <laughs> and was that the first F bomb of the of the night? And it came from John. <laughs> I, I, I will grant John his point and a bonus point for proper use of salient in a sentence. Kudos. Thank you. <laughs> now, Tom, you had some more uh, Easter eggs, and I'm curious if you're going, if you're going to drop something that I was going to wrap up the show by mentioning. So go ahead. Um, the they called them the Tucker Tube, which was uh-huh. just that generic sci-fi prop that was all over the place in the 80s. The most important prop in the world. <laughs> yes. Yep. So they had those and they've named them. Um, I, I don't know if there's any background on the naming. Uh, the other one was Rutherford. Wait, 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 wait. hold, hold uh, on a second. That was a joke, right? About the Tucker tube? Yeah. No, they call them the Tucker tubes in the show. Yeah, and in this episode they call them the Tucker tubes and Tom says he doesn't know if there's any backstory on, on the well, name. Like, I, I mean, I know it's the they're calling after Tucker for Trip, but I don't remember okay. him being referenced <laughs> no, the, that the, way. The prop itself does not have a name. Yeah, and and I don't remember it ever coming up. Like, I don't even, I don't remember seeing them in Enterprise, but I mean, they're so ubiquitous. So. They weren't in Enterprise. They were in TNG. They were in Airplane Two. They, they they've been everywhere. Rapticon. <laughs> So, the last yeah, starfighter they were on they were they, on regular they, one they were in the last starfighter they're in yeah. all of sci-fi um but 
now they have a name, which means we can go back to every time they show up in TNG and say, hey, look, they got Tucker Tubes. And, yeah. and I, have, I have to confess, it wasn't until you just said it, Tom, that, it, that Tucker even clicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, Rick. <laughs> the other Easter egg was when Rutherford and Boimler sit down in, in their court, new quarters and Rutherford starts playing with a uh, gadget or an experiment. It was Wesley's little uh, tractor beam uh-huh. repulsor beam. Oh, oh holy crap, okay. I missed that. Portable unit there. Uh, First season the one... TNG references kind of are vague as hell. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, th- th- there was a second episode reference too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the last Easter egg, and we should have talked about it with the previous part, was in the opening, the whale probe being added to oh, the Borg battle. That's the I, one. The, the only reason I didn't mm. bring that up is because I I haven't had a chance to go back and compare because I wasn't because I, I you know I saw the crystalline entity, was mm-hmm. that there last season? Yes. Yeah. That's okay. Been there. So the whale probe was the new thing in in this season. Yes. Okay. Yep. Complete with 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 the sound. <laughs> It's, it's making the same sound. And this leads to uh, going back to that article that I referenced previous, because I said they had two possible theories on what this unknown alien species could be. And the first one, which they think is a more solid theory than the Breen, is they think that this uh, mysterious alien blowing up ships might have a connection to the probe because it's in the opening sequence now. So it has to be part of it. Which I find ridiculous, but Nothing for some reason I, I I like to give airtime to people with dumb theories because that's a dumb theory. <laughs> I can't imagine that it has anything to do with that probe, but I did enjoy seeing it uh, in that opening battle sequence. They've also added, I think, some more Klingon ships that are that are flying through that weren't there before. But the new the new element that that's that's been added whole cloth is the whale probe. Um, didn't they end last season or a season with Boimler's uh, transporter clone being evil or something? Yeah, he joined yes. Section 31. He's section 31. So would this, is it not reasonable to assume then that this ship is Section 31? Ooh. Hmm. Ooh. I don't know about reasonable, but it's, I guess. But like, why, why drop that? hint and then not pick it up unless they are picking it up no it doesn't mean they'll, they'll pick it up now they might i don't know I'm, I'm going to say i don't know but i i feel like ridiculous as it sounds it sounds heavy-handed even for section 31 because this is outward you know just random strikes on allies <laughs> like i mean the romulans aren't i guess allies but the Klingons are mm. like it's it's like and it's not like political targets or military targets. It's just random ships. I don't. I don't think it doesn't seem like a Section Thirty One thing, as I understand Section Thirty One to be. But maybe now, with with Boimler's clone being you know, a, a character that has been introduced that we haven't seen very much at all. Last time we saw him, he was part of Section Thirty One. They might decide, you know what? He left Section Thirty One, and now he's got his hands on this super powerful ship, and now he's off doing stuff on his own, not as an agent of Section Thirty One. So this little known or little seen character that returns as 
as a large threat that's going to have to be dealt with by the end of the season definitely has some Rick and Morty vibes to it as we've seen like spoiler okay you're right I I I hadn't thought of it until Neek mentioned it but it it could be an an interesting uh, way to bring back and and utilize further the the Boimler clone how do we feel about Boimler's clone being evil, though. Like, is the implication that it. transporter clones are always evil? I would hate it. That's what I was going to say. Because yeah, when you, when you I said agree. that, I was like, okay, but that's not a Boimler thing either. But I, but I'm, I'm trying to play out various scenarios that would still be lower decks worthy plots. And yeah, I could see him turning evil over the course of you know, if this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened. I could see it, um, but you know, I don't know. Very, I have a very unboimler like. Yeah, I have a tough time thinking what could possibly happen to Boimler and make him go evil. Well, we I... should all we should also take into account the fact that this uh, transporter clone of him is not exactly a, a carbon copy. He he had confidence. He had drive, ambition. Um, I, he he was he was like a rock star on the Titan because he was acting very much not how our Boimler acts. So it's, you know, basically all bets are off as far as trying to make him uh, match personality-wise the Boimler that we see, because we already know he's entirely different. If they bring Thomas Boimler back, didn't he he pick the name Thomas? Um, I forget. No, (laughs) I don't think he did. I, I could see him you know, we, we saw him waking up in a coffin and think of what I'm six and then doing the evil laugh because they wanted him to. I could see if when if and when they bring him back, he's trying to be evil, but ultimately failing at it. And then he and our Boimler will team up to save the day in some goofy way. Well, I would prefer that. I don't want him to be evil. No. And they will find themselves wearing the exact same uniform and be virtually uh, impossible to tell apart. And then one of them will die, and then they will create a mystery as to which Boimler was it. And season four. Tune in for season five to find out. <laughs> there we go. So we've covered the no, season. Just... Uh, we, we are off the air again until, uh, uh, until Discovery season five, because we've already covered this entire season. Done. Finished. <laughs> One thing I'd like to point out, or ask, I guess not point out, but uh, the, the Romulan ship we saw, I've never been a fan of the D. Derridax class. Mm. I, don't, I, just, I just don't like it. Um, but rotating at 90 degrees, for some reason, worked for me. I, I thought that was an interesting Romulan design. That I, was, and there's a, there's a bit of it here. Uh, the vertical design of the Romulan Warbird is based off a concept drawing of the Diderix class created by Andrew Probert. So there we go. Ori- the Diderix was originally proposed to look like that. I like that a lot better. I just, just aesthetically to me, I think it works better that way. Mm, yeah. Well, also, so is it? So it's it's the same ship. It's just rotated. It's a, the, the 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 center bit's a little different, but yeah, basically. Okay, well, also they're in space, so maybe they just move the camera. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the head of the warbird with its quote-unquote beak 
was still oriented the same way. It just the wings went went ninety degrees. Oh, which yeah. I liked it. I liked the way it looked. Yeah, they yeah. they they adapted the original uh, concept design and and made a new class ship out of it. Uh, and and I enjoyed seeing it because I knew that was based off uh, an old sketch. And I always Probert thought that does it was amazing starship work. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I always thought that it would have been really interesting to have one ship that doesn't have wings going out to the side like you see with so many other ships. Uh, a, a vertical ship cutting through space. It could be fun to see. And now we get to see it well, for a second, and then it's gone. <laughs> I, lo- I love how every ship that thing blows up, the logo <laughs> yeah. is, is preserved as it yeah, the, by. <laughs> the, 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 the symbol for that particular race is just floating through. And I think part of the reason I was thinking that it was Zeger, um, it basically takes over and or shuts down the systems of the ship that it's about to attack. And I was like, well, they would be familiar with all of the Federation or, or like, you know, technology or ships that the Federation has, in co- has been in contact with. Um, and also, and you guys would know better than me, but the sound effects when it fires sounded like various different lasers or, or you know phasers I'd have or whatever to go back and listen to it I didn't yeah, really pay much attention to it that's why I'm that's why I'm telling you because you guys would notice that stuff more than me I, I will do this thing yeah I, I did not notice that you're welcome <laughs> now Tom has some reckless speculation that I think should be shared wait 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 you're Shoot. saying it's reckless? No, he no, he said it's well, reckless. I, oh, okay. <laughs> he he just sent me a message and he termed it reckless speculation. You know what? I think I think we should share it with everyone. Um part of it was pulling from uh, a little bit from the last season of uh lower decks when they recover someone recovered Badgie or they had it was a uh, um, Rutherford's implant and Badgie appeared in the display. So, the, oh, I didn't even think of Badgie. The reckless speculation is the mystery ship. I said is Badgie and Peanut Hamper, mm-hmm. and the two of them have joined forces. I didn't even consider Badgie. I, I don't think it's Peanut Hamper. I think Peanut Hamper is still stuck in in that storage unit. But Badgie, oh wow. So where was where was Badgie when last we saw him? It in uh, the debris from uh, after it had been ripped off of Rutherford's head at R- Rutherford's old implant. Yeah, just floating in space. Yeah, yeah. Badgie meets Feeder. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I I thought it was a. A clever idea that Tom came up with because I had completely forgotten that the old implant was floating around with Badgie in there and I can't remember where we left Peanut Hamper after uh, Mathematically Perfect Redemption in in the storage she unit was, next to yeah. uh, the, the Jeffrey Combs computer oh right she was in AI jail yep that yep that's yeah. right that's right um, so okay maybe Peanut Hamper that, that's the reckless part because that's just kind of but we need an old villain from Lower Decks. Grab grab that one. Um, but did we... I had forgotten that 
the implant had been salvaged and we haven't seen anything of it since then we know that someone found it and picked it up and 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 that's the last we've seen a badgie well yeah it, it was the post-credit scene after uh was it was it the end of last season yeah yeah oh okay so it was the end of season three okay all right i like the theory i look forward to seeing if if he's right badgie makes a lot more sense yeah Tom, you you will get nothing. You will get a no prize if you turn out to, if if you're right, but it'll still be fun. Anyone else have any closing thoughts before we wrap up this episode? I appreciated um, at the end. Of, I think it was the first episode where they promoted and like I think they were like celebrating. Yay! And we're gonna we're gonna be doing a bunch of like individual missions and no long season long big bad mystery to solve before they cut to the <laughs> big bad mystery to solve. <laughs> I, like it. I, I do love it when, when the show gets meta. We have yeah. to do something about this before to Ellipse finds out what Janeway did. <laughs> Are you bleeping kidding me? <laughs> and did you notice every one of the uh, hybrids had that their, their shoulders were that Carpet material. Yeah, that, that, weird, <laughs> that weird paisley, that odd little paisley design oh, that yeah. Tuvix had when he came out of the. Yes, that was fun yeah, I, for, I, for no reason whatsoever. But there yeah. it was. I do I do think they did a good job on that episode of not excusing Janeway's choice, but explaining. Well, like they didn't judge it, I guess. Oh, well, I mean they did, but it was like. You know, they were like, we're was, not trapped did, she, in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, she didn't have any good options. And damn, I guess, you know, you know Janeway's a hard ass or something like that. But like, yeah, like, we were not in that situation. So, but, so like, they, <laughs> they were all horrified by what she did. But none of them were like, she should be brought up on charges. <laughs> yeah. Everyone saw it as, wow, that's, that's hardcore. <laughs> well, there, okay, there's, the, there's something about, this episode and I'm I'm not sure how far this goes but are any of y'all uh, a member of the Star Trek shitposting group Grump on uh, on Facebook mm-hmm. no okay. I, I've obviously seen it but I'm not in the group yeah I've been on I, it I see I've been on stuff it. in my feed sometimes but no I'm not a member I've been on it for a few years it's actually freaking hilarious and despite being uh, gross and morally bankrupt they're all also some of the most upright people you'll ever meet online. You know, they'll post some of the most disgusting stuff you'll ever see, but as soon as someone comes in with with uh, like bigotry or homophobia or transphobia or anything like that, they just get roasted to cinders. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but the whole Tuvix, did Janeway murder Tuvix or was Janeway right? That debate has been a perennial in the group forever and it has become very clear over the years that the some of the writers from Lower Decks are members of the group and this episode was very clearly <laughs> them going alright we're gonna we're gonna dive head first into the Tuvix thing <laughs> I I pre- in that episode I did appreciate the fact that yes, they're they're referencing that it happened. Um, they are straight up calling Jane Wee a murderer, mm-hmm. but as John said, they're not saying and and she should answer for it. No, they they presented it as this is what happened. 
How about we and, just and, and, move on? And she, now. and she didn't have the choices that we have. I think is the, is the like. And mm-hmm. and that was that you know, was, was the point was, they made. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you know, you do things in wartime or in triage that you wouldn't necessarily do like, you know, in normal society. So exactly. So and, it, it was it was forgiven, even though judged. And they didn't turn this episode of Lower Decks into, uh, you know, a half-hour stage upon which they would relitigate the entire you know, bring the entire debate up and try to hash it out they and, didn't and make they that epi- they didn't make this a full debate episode and and they addressed it with Talyn and Tendi where, where Talyn was like we need to separate them she was them. right yeah, I think she and, was right what's the problem yeah, yeah. And, then the, and then they get to the end where it's just this big Lovecraftian blob <laughs> and Talyn's like you're going to help me? I thought you had ethical problems. And Dundee's like, look at that thing. <laughs> we, this we isn't a sentient creature. That's just a, a mess. <laughs> I had a problem with it before, but now, ooh. Yeah. I love Tendy so much. She was so Tendy in these two episodes. <laughs> Hopefully, as the season goes on, maybe we'll see more of Tendy being awesome Tendy. And we will find out as we continue discussing those episodes right here on that Star Trek podcast. That's been our show. I want to thank all my panelists for joining us tonight. Rick, where can people find you? You can find me right here on the Star Trek podcast. You can find me uh, occasionally on Captain Game Show. You can find me on occasionally on the uh, Cosmic Potato. And starting next week, hang on, let me get a date. Get any more shit from all y'all? <laughs> I haven't deserved that damn shit. thing. You think that's I, have, I deserve that shit? You're right. All right. On hey, you deserved se- it. And Scott, you can't say anything because you're just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> on September so 18th, true. September 18th, 2023, the first episode of the Geekly World News will be posted. <laughs> Suck it. Don't make yeah. me regret that yay, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, and this is another thing I'm going to do. Uh, starting on October 1st, I am going to post a scary short story that I read. One one for every uh, every day of October. Scary I, story in October. I think I'm going nice. to call it Spooky Stories with the Admiral. Nice. That's cool. Tom, do you have anything that you would like to say to the people? Hi. And bye. <laughs> really, uh, as usual, you can find me here, sometimes Cosmic Potato. And that's about it for my podcasting credit. But he has caught up with uh, Moonshow. He's Moon caught up his viewing, so he is now a viable candidate for panelist on Moonshow. I mean, yay! We'll see what happens there. John, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on various shows on the network. Um, but if you are looking for me specifically, the show that I'm always on is my show, Captain Game Show, the trivia wordplay podcast on the Infinite Potato Alliance podcast network. Neek, where can people find you? If you want more Star Trek, go read my recaps of Star Trek episodes at superanemic.com. And if you want content related to For All Mankind, then you should listen to Moon Show. Moon Show. 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 
For All Mankind podcast right here on the Infinite Potato Alliance. And I don't want Neek to give me the wrap it up signal one more time, so I'm just going to say you can find me here on this show, you can find me on other shows here on the network, and if you want to see some of my graphic artwork, visit my website at www.planetprizecreative.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for downloading, hopefully subscribing, and tune in next time as we discuss Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 3, title, I don't know, because it's not on Memory Alpha. Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast, 